This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Amen, amen. Well, I'm wrapping up the series this morning, Behind the Scenes. We've been in this for the past four weeks, and the title of my message this morning is Responsible. Let me ask you a question. Would you consider yourself responsible? Don't ask. Don't answer. It's not like one of those where I want you to actually answer. This is more like self-reflective. Would you consider yourself responsible with your time? Would you consider yourself responsible with the abilities and the giftings and talents that God has blessed you with? Would you consider yourself responsible with your money and with the things that God has blessed you with? A lot of us would say, yeah, maybe, kind of, sort of, or we would just flat out say no. Well, here's the thing. Today I want to talk about three areas that I believe that if we become more responsible behind the scenes in those three areas, that we can make a greater impact for the kingdom of God, and He will increase our capacity to do more for His kingdom, for His glory than ever before. But it's stuff we need to do behind the scenes, and it's these three areas that you constantly see throughout Scripture, that from the very beginning, God has been empowering and engaging us to want to do more for His kingdom and for His glory. So we're going to talk about those three things today, time, talent, and treasure. Those are the three things that we see all throughout Scripture that God continually calls His people to be responsible with, to be good stewards of, and to increase our capacity in those areas of how we handle those things for the glory of God. Because God made you and God made me and He made all of humanity to have dominion. He made us to have authority. That's what He created us to. He created us to have dominion. You look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 at the very creation of man. The Bible says this. He created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created male and female. And he said to them, he, after, well, first of all, God blessed them. And then he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here is God delegating authority to man. He eventually says, I want you to have dominion. I don't want these things in this world to have dominion over you. I want you to have dominion over these things. But before I give you that responsibility, I'm going to equip you because anything that God has called you to do or created you to do, he is going to equip you to do and bless you to do. Amen? Here's the, what he did. You look at, after he created male and female, he blessed them, first of all. He equipped them. He gave them what they needed, and then he gives them instruction after that that they need to be responsible for. And that instruction was, be fruitful and multiply. I've given you the blessing. I've given you the provision. I've given you what you need to do what I've created you to do. Now, here's what you do with it. You need to be fruitful with it. You need to multiply it. So in other words, God could have been fruitful and multiplied everything all on his own. But instead, he gives man the responsibility to do that. Isn't that interesting? He said, here's what I want you to start with. I'm going to bless you, give you what you need. Now you take it and make something with it. Be fruitful with it. Make more of it. Multiply it. And then fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, I want you to take my blessing that I have given you, and I want you to create something that's going to last generations and generations and generations, and it's only going to continue to grow and be fruitful and multiply. That is showing how great and awesome that our God is, and it brings glory to Him because 
because everything came from Him. Everything started with Him, and He blessed us with everything that we would need so we could take that and be fruitful with it and multiply it to show the world how great and how awesome our God is so we could live lives of worship for Him, so we could live lives in a way that bring glory to Him through recognizing that He's our source and He's our provider. He gave us everything we actually needed to subdue, to multiply, to be fruitful. He gave us those things. But then after all of that instruction, after all of that equipping, then he says, I want you to have authority. I want you to have dominion. So he blessed them. He gave them everything they needed to succeed. He gave them their time, the ability, and the resources to always have more than enough if they would be responsible for it. But now he gave them responsibility to be fruitful, increase, ensure generations after them would have a healthy start to maintain it. This is a lot more than just saying, I'm going to create man, now be in charge. I think to some degree in our lives, we all think at a certain level, in a certain area of our life, that if we were in charge, things would be different. And you're right. Things would be different. We think if we had the authority to be able to run that restaurant that we ate at, that we had bad service at, that we would produce a different result than what we experienced. And we become very critical of whoever's running this place. We say things like, who's running this place? In other words, I could run this place better. We get very critical of the way that uh, perhaps even governmental structures are put in place. Who's running this place? Who's running this country? Who's making these decisions? I could do a better job if I had the authority, if I had the position, if someone would just listen to my ideas, right? then things would be different. We think that way even in our own marriages. We think that, oh, you know, if they would just listen to me, if I, we could just swap roles, if they would just listen to me, I could prove that I'm so much smarter or so much better. And we think these ways because we think that being in charge is the goal. We chase after the authority, and we're really chasing after the wrong thing because you're not called to chase after authority. He never told them to chase after dominion. He gave them dominion after they were found responsible. Because that's where authority is released is when we accept responsibility. We accept the responsibility and then authority naturally flows from that. I remember when I was a young youth pastor, I was in youth ministry for seven years and I served with uh, two different senior pastors in my seven years of youth ministry. And there were times that I I had the thought, man, if I ran this church, things sure would be a lot better. I had those thoughts. I thought, man, you know what? I know how to do this job better, or I could do this better. And I had those thoughts where, man, I I just saw different areas that caused me constant frustration. And I thought, you know what? If If I were in charge, things would be different. And guess what? I eventually got to be in charge. I eventually got to be a senior pastor. And guess what? I got to learn a few things when I got in charge. That it wasn't as easy as I thought it was just to simply be in a position of authority and make the decisions that were required to be made. And it gave me a lot more grace and a lot more sympathy and empathy for people in roles where they are the senior leader in different groups or organizations. And I understand a lot more of that than I understood when I was a youth pastor thinking that just give me the authority and I'll fix it, right? So many times we think that if I just have the authority, I'll fix this. I'll I'll write this ship. Just put me in charge. I'll do it. And that's not always the case because it's not something we're supposed to chase after. Rather, authority is something that is released when we accept responsibility. Amen? You see here, Adam and Eve had a choice. They had to choose whether or not they were going to trust God and accept the responsibility. And for a season, as far as we can tell in Scripture, they did accept that responsibility for a season. But then there also became another season when they were tempted with what? With 
the very same thing that God had entrusted them with and what He had released to them to be over the things that they were over. It was that authority that the enemy was really after. He said, you know, did God really say that you shouldn't do this? And Did God really say that? Well, I don't think that it's going to work out that way because I think God's just trying to keep all of the good things that you should actually know away from you. He's actually holding things back. And then they said, oh, so they rebelled against God because you lose authority when you move to a place where you're no longer submitted to the one who delegated authority to you. The same thing if a police officer decides to rob a bank, then all of a sudden he does not have the authority to arrest those who rob banks any longer. He relinquishes that authority because he stepped outside of the authority that he was submitted under. And it's the same thing with us and God. That authority is given when we accept the responsibility and we're submitted to the one who gave us the responsibility and we're we're responsible with what he gave us. So let's look at Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14 says this. Jesus is telling a parable here. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. One he gave five talents, and to another he gave two talents, to each one according to his own ability, his own ability, and to another he gave one. And then what he's talking about, he's not talking about like gifts. He's talking about money, okay? Talent was a measure of finance. And so here, this master is going to go on a trip, but he's going to find his servants, and he's going to entrust them with different amounts of money before he leaves. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made five more. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. He who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received five came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you've delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more beside them. Lord said, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came, and he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I want to stop right there. You see in verse 24 that this one servant who only had the one talent, what did he do with it? He said that I was afraid and I went and hid the talent in the ground. He said, look here, have what's yours. He said, I knew the way that you operated. He said, I know your mode of operation. I know that what you do is that you give people things and then you expect them to go and do something with it. Because he said, I knew that you gathered where you haven't sown. In other words, you want to gather from what I did for you, and I knew that was your mode of operation. I knew that's what you were doing because I've seen you do it before. I know that you are going to gather where you haven't scattered seed and sown, and you're wanting me to go do it. And I knew that was difficult. He said, I knew this was going to be tough. He said, so instead of me going out and doing what you expected me to do, with what you gave me, I just hid it in the ground because I didn't want to deal with it. I just wanted to go do my own thing and not be responsible with what you entrusted me with. So here, hang on. There it is. Here, take what's yours. Leave me alone. Here, just have it back. We're good, right? He said, you wicked 
and lazy servant, verse 26. You knew this is how I operated. You knew I reaped where I had not sown. You knew I gathered where I had not scattered seed. You should have deposited the money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. He said, if you weren't going to go out and do something with it, you should have at least done that. So I would have gotten my own back with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, God has entrusted us with this responsibility of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. He has enabled and equipped every single one of us with His blessing of time, talent, and treasure. And the principles that work for one will work for all if we will submit and we will trust. Even though we may see our capacity increase on different levels of being able to do more for God with our time, talent, and treasure, the principles that navigate that success are all the same. I want to just give you a little word picture here that our staff worked on the other day in our staff meeting. I drew a really large circle on our whiteboard in our staff meeting, and then I drew a really small circle on the inside of that white circle. And I said, this big circle on the outside represents concern, and this small circle on the inside represents your influence. Your influence is always going to be a lot smaller than the things that concern you. Always. Because guess what? There are so many things you can do nothing about. You can be concerned with those things, but that's all you can do. Turn on the news. Most of the things that you watch on the news, you can do nothing about. Hear me? Somebody just got a revelation right there. You can do nothing about most of those things that you see on the news, but you can be concerned about it. But the influence, the smaller circle within the large circle, that's the circle, that's the sphere that I have the time, talent, and treasure, the ability, the gifting, the availability to do something about. Those are the things I can do something about. The more you spend time in that smaller circle of the things that you actually can do something about, the larger that will begin to grow. And you'll begin to increase your capacity. The more time you spend worrying about the things that you're concerned about that you can do nothing about, the more your capacity to handle more and to do more in life actually decreases. And it actually stalls you. It actually shrinks your ability to do more for the kingdom of God. It paralyzes you when all you do is just think about all the things that concern you. That leads to gossip. That leads to backbiting. That leads to slander. That leads to me begin feeling a sense of entitlement. That begins to make me feel uh, like nothing is ever going to work out. Makes me feel sorry for myself. Get in depression. Makes me angry about things I can do nothing about. All of these negative emotions, all these negative things that begin to control my life come out of me spending too much time focused on things that concern me, but that I have no influence to do anything about. But what God wants us to do is be responsible with the sphere of influence, no matter if it's a five-talent sphere, if it's a two-talent sphere, or if it's a one-talent sphere. It doesn't matter how large that sphere of influence is or that capacity that you have to do things in your life that are going to bring God glory in your life. You need to focus on the things that you can 
change and the things that you can influence for His glory. Amen? Instead of wasting your time, worried, angry, depressed over stuff that you can do absolutely nothing about. You see, we don't ask for authority. Instead, we accept responsibility and we're found faithful. And when we're found faithful, then authority is released to us. That is why no one comes out of the womb responsible. I don't care how good your children are. They were trained to be responsible. Responsibility is a direct result of training. It's a direct result of instruction. It's not something that's intuitive to us because if we were, no matter how cute it would be, to make a child the president of the United States or to make a child the CEO of a company, it would be cute, but the thing would be messed up, right? I mean, there would probably be like candy binges like happening. There would be like free toys for everybody. There would be all kinds of selfish driven behavior because you put someone in a position of authority that was not responsible. You see, authority is directly linked to responsibility and the amount of responsibility that I'm found faithful with begins to increase that capacity that I have to begin to do the things that I should do and be in the position I should be in, not you put me in the position first, then I'll figure it out. Amen? That's why no one's born responsible. That's why sometimes maybe, maybe people have great stories of having wonderful parents who taught them responsibility, and they didn't like being taught responsibility because by nature, we want to be selfish. By nature, we want what we want. We want to be spoiled. We want to be taken care of. We want to be coddled. We want to be provided for. But when you begin to delegate responsibility to children, at first, they don't like it because it goes against the way that we came into this fallen world. The Bible says by nature we were children of wrath. So we come out of the womb being rebellious. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. They figure it out. Right? And the reason they figure it out is because by nature this world is corrupt and we're born into a corrupt world with this corrupt nature and we need Jesus to come and make things new and we need someone who loves Jesus and who loves us to come along and teach us responsibility. And maybe you had a great story of growing up in a responsible home where your parents taught you responsibility. And maybe some of you went through the same school that I went through. It's called the School of Hard Knocks. And you had to learn some things the hard way. And it doesn't matter how great your parents were, you probably still had to learn some things through the School of Hard Knocks. I remember one of the areas that my parents didn't really do a whole lot of engaging and teaching with me growing up uh, was the area of finances. I had no idea how to be financially responsible when I became an adult. At 18 years old, I got my first checking account, and I had no idea how to write a check. The cashier at the first store I went to had to show me because I was never taught. I wasn't taught. And then you put me with my wife who grew up as an only child, and we ended up getting married at 19 years old. We had lots of fun. We had lots of fun. We were very fiscally irresponsible people, partially because we didn't have the training. That was something that wasn't talked about in either of our homes. It was just something we knew was always taken care of. But then also because we just continually were investing in our own selfish desires, and it caused a lot of problems early on in our relationship that could have been avoided had we had been more responsible. Because we always think more is the answer. I need more money. If I don't have enough money, then more money is the answer, right? That's what I think anyways. But what we don't realize 
is that more or your capacity to handle more begins to come to you when you're responsible with what you have, not with it would be better if I had all of this. It's responsible with what is, not with what could be or what should be. Oh, I'd be responsible if I had a house that looked like that. Then I would keep it clean. Oh, I would take care of a car that was really nice. I mean, mine's just an old beater. Let me tell you a story. I had a mentor in my life who had an old beater car. And he could have bought another car a lot nicer than he had. But he said, Derek, God won't let me buy a new car. And I said, that makes absolutely no sense. You, you have all of this money. Uh, you're obviously a well-to-do individual, and you're driving this piece of junk car. That we, I mean, let me tell you a story about this car. You had to pump the gas like three or four times. You had to like turn the key on, turn it off, turn it back on. And then I think you like said a prayer or something, and then it started. And if you wanted to roll the window down on the driver's side, you had to open the door, slam it, roll the window down a little bit, open it again, slam it again, and roll the window down. Needless to say, when I was with this guy, we didn't go through the drive-thru very much. Um, If you did, you had to really plan ahead, you know, all right, let's make sure we get that window down. I mean, this car just was not uh, very good. Uh, It had a lot of weird, quirky things to it. He said, God won't let me buy a new car, he said, until I learn to take care of this one in the way I'm going to take care of a new one. And I was like, wow, you got to be kidding me. He said, so he, he disciplined himself to take care of that piece of junk car as if it were some showroom, brand new Mercedes or something. He said, I took care, he, he, said, he said, God's teaching me to take care of what I have before I go and purchase what it is that I would like to have. He said, I'm being responsible with what I have. And man, that stuck with me for so long because we always think, oh, if I had this, then I would do that. no. You might do that for a little while, but you're probably going to get back in the same rut. It'll just manifest a little differently if you really get what you think you need. I I need more time. I don't have enough time. What are you doing with the time you do have? Everybody's busy. That's the new cool thing to say to somebody. It's like, how are you doing? I'm busy. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Everybody's busy. What are you doing with the time that you have? Have you evaluated the time that you've been given? Because guess what? All of us have the same amount of it. Amen? I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but we all have 24 hours. How we steward it and manage it, man, that, that, that's part of our responsibility to make sure instead of saying, well, if I had this or if I had that, what am I doing with what I have? Stop looking for greener pastures and start saying, how can I make the best of what I have and be responsible with what's in my hand? Proverbs 18, 15 through 16 says it, says it like this, the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So when you're responsible, that's going to make that room and increase that capacity. It's not Oh, if I could have a big break or, oh, if I could do this. No, it's continually doing the right things and being responsible with what you have. So you, I, I want to give you three things this morning that are going to help you to be trained because we have to be trained. So whether you had some training, whether you've follow, fallen down on it, or whether this will help you to parent or whether this will help you and your spouse to have conversation or just help you as an individual to grow in being more responsible, to be that person of authority that God has created you to be, to manage your time, talent, and treasure with excellence, we need to recognize these three things. Here's the first one. You need to recognize that your time, talent, and treasure are gifts by God for you to steward. They are not yours. Hello, somebody. 
If we had this one paradigm shift, it would change so much in our lives. If we began to view our time, our talent, our abilities, our giftings, our skill sets, and our treasure, our finances, the things that we call our possessions, if we began to view those things as not our own, but rather if we looked at ourselves as stewards, because my Bible says, and your Bible says, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen? I mean, that's what it says. I'm not really asking. It says that. But the reason that it says that, because it changes my heart position, okay? When my heart position changes, and I recognize, you mean this day that I've been given and this breath that I'm breathing is not mine, but it's God's? Then when God asks me to do something, or when an opportunity is in front of me to begin to give it away and serve other people and serve God with my time, and I view it as God's time, then I go, you know what? It's not as inconvenient as maybe it would be as I viewed the time as mine. Yeah, Pastor Keith was just talking a little bit ago about uh, working at the explosion thing. Some people are like, oh, three hours on a Saturday, that's my only day off. Is it really your day? Or is it God's day? Because everything is God's. I'm not giving this to just people in the community. I'm giving this to God. So when I look at those opportunities, I need to say, this is not mine. I need to stop thinking this is all mine. And I need to start reminding myself of who really owns everything. If I really believe that God is on the throne and I really want him to be the Lord or the leader of my life, that's what that means. The Lord, the leader, we worship him as Lord. We worship him as the leader of our life who's calling the shots. Then guess what? It's all his. So Lord, take my time, use it to what best pleases you. It would be a great thing for us to do to wake up in the morning and to say, God, you've given me another day. How can I use it to bring you glory? How could I serve those at work or those that I'm going to come in contact with today? How could I better serve my children or my spouse? How could I better serve, Lord, uh, your, your kingdom? How could I better serve my local church body? How could I better serve my fellow man, my boss? How could I better serve people today for your glory and point people to you? And I need to make sure that my time is stewarded in such a way that I have that at the forefront. I looked at my gift and my abilities. Those things aren't given for me just to sit on. If you're, you have a gift that's from God, you think that perhaps maybe it's something you came up with because with your, you're so special and creative. No, God gave that to you. Amen? And when you recognize it came from God, even the desire to do the thing that you worked hard to learn the skill to how to do was a desire that God wired you a certain way to be good at something because he wants to do something for his kingdom, not just so you can be someone special in the company. Amen? Not just so people will go, oh, look, he has his own parking space. Oh, look, they have uh, letters in front of or behind their name. Or look, they're on the stage. Or look at how much money they make. Or look at how nice of clothes they wear. Or what kind of house they live in. That's not why God gave you that wiring and that DNA to be able to understand and put those things together the way that you, you, way you can. It's to be used for his glory in some way, shape, or form. And when I recognize my gifts and my skills are not my own, but they're a gift from God, it changes the way I steward them. When I recognize that the money that I've been given, the, the things that I have in my home, those things are not mine, that they are God's. I, I'm a lot more willing to say, okay, God, I recognize this is yours. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't have a Super Nintendo video game system, but I wanted one really bad. But my parents didn't get me one, but I had a friend who had one, and my friend let me borrow her Super Nintendo. 
Oh, man. I had regular Nintendo, right? I was still playing regular Mario. They had Super Mario on the Super Nintendo, and that was awesome. She let me borrow her whole system. She let me borrow all of the video game cartridges, the controllers, everything. Guess what? My mentality of how I treated her stuff was really, really different if I wanted to make sure I was taking care of it because I wouldn't dare want to treat it in a bad way or let someone abuse it or mess it up. I treated it in such a way that I'd make sure that if I had the opportunity to ask to borrow it again, that she would be more than happy to lend it to me. So as a child, I remember taking very good care of her stuff. So, because guess what? It wasn't mine. And I recognized it wasn't mine. And so the way I approached it was a lot different. Same thing with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We're called to be stewards. We're called to be managers of the things that God has blessed us with. Those blessings like he blessed Adam and Eve in the garden, we're to be stewards of those things. Amen? Second thing that we need to do to grow in responsibility, to be trained to grow in responsibility, is to diligently work to be proactive and intentional with your time, talent, and treasure. This is not something that happens because you heard a sermon once. You've got to take it and not just be a hearer of it, but do it. Amen? We've got to be doers of this thing. We've got to be doers of this word, and we need to be proactive about it. I grew up in a very reactive home environment where everything that would happen in our home was handled with reactive behavior, where we would react when uh, there was uh, someone coming over for dinner. We would react when the bills couldn't be paid. We would react when something would happen outside of the realm of our control. It was constant reacting, 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 as to where when I grew up, I began to model the same type of uh, living, reactive living. And then... I began to get around people who were a little bit more proactive about things. I began to learn some things in life. And I began to learn, you know what? If I began to be proactive and I began to put away money, if I began to plan for things and look ahead, and if I began to prepare, then when things come along, guess what? December 25th happens the same day every year. Every year. Christmas is coming. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I bet you. Christmas is coming December 25th in 2016. I know it's coming. And because I know it's coming, I can either freak out the week before and go, I don't have any money. What am I going to do? And swipe the credit card. And then when January 1 rolls around, looking at the bill going, what do we do? What do we do? I can do that and cause stress in my marriage cause stress in my finances, cause stress in relationships, cause all of this junk that wasn't there before because I was reactive, or I can go, you know what? I know it's coming. And so because I know it's coming, I want to diligently work and plan and make sure I'm being responsible with what I have so when it rolls around, I'm not freaking out. I'm going to be responsible with what I've been given and with what I know I need to do. The things I need to prepare for. Something breaks down on your car. Guess what? If you have the money to fix it, it's a lot less stressful than if you don't. Amen? But you have to be proactive and diligently work towards those things. If you look at your schedule and you say, I just don't have enough time, reevaluate it. 
and say, what time do I have? Look at what you do have instead of what you don't have and begin to be proactive and intentional with it. Hey, I'll do this with my family a lot. I'll sit down with my wife every Sunday evening. We do this every single week. I sit down with my wife every Sunday evening and we go over our finances and we go over our schedule. And I'll say, hey, I just want to remind you, this is going to be a busy week. I've got this meeting where I've got to be out of town. I'm not going to be home till this time on this evening. And it sets her expectations better. And guess what? There's not the tension there that would be there if I was just letting her know these things as they kind of come along. Or if a change happens, we can communicate those things to each other. We're being diligent. It's not easy, but we have to be diligent about being proactive so we can be intentional with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Amen? Instead of making excuses to why we can't. Well, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. I wish we could have this. I wish we could, have, I wish we could go here. I wish we could do this type of stuff that those people do. Be diligent and proactive and intentional. Don't make excuses for why you can't serve in the kingdom of God. Stop making excuses and start reevaluating diligently to be proactive and intentional because this is what God has called us to do. Amen? He said, you've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to increase your capacity. Spend time in that circle of influence. Spend time in the areas where I have blessed you. You may not be the richest person in the room. You may not be the person who has the most money. You may be a person who's strapped with time and and finances. And you may not feel talented at all. But begin to look instead of what you don't have Begin looking at what you do have and be faithful with what you do have. Stop living beyond your means with your time. Stop overcommitting. Stop living beyond your means with your finances and overcommitting those things just for a temporary piece of happiness that is fleeting and that goes away just as quickly as it comes. And begin being proactive and intentional with your time, talent, and treasure. That's the second thing that we need to do to train ourselves to grow in this. Um, Before I move on, I I do want to say this that you need to surround yourself with responsible people. Hello, somebody. If you, if, if you have an area of weakness where you're struggling with responsibility or something maybe you're not struggling with, but you just want to grow and improve, surround yourself with responsible people because God has called all of us to be responsible. I don't want anyone telling me that their personality type is an irresponsible personality type because when I look at the way God created us, He created all of us to be responsible. Amen? Now, we may do things differently, and that's fine. We may go about things and process things differently, but that's not an excuse to be irresponsible. God calls no man or no woman to be irresponsible. So this is something that blankets everybody in the room. Don't tell me that's not my personality. Don't tell me you took some test. (laughs) And you're exempt from responsibility because of some test. No, my Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that he said, I'm going to bless you. Now go be fruitful and multiply. Now I want you to have dominion. He gave it all, all of us responsibility. You need to surround yourself with people who are responsible. You aren't going to learn time management if you hang out with people who fly by the seat of their pants all the time. Nothing wrong hanging out with those people, but is, are any of those relationships challenging you? You're not going to learn how to use your gifts if you're not hanging around people who are actively engaged in giving away their talent and their skill set for the glory and the kingdom of God. If people are always making excuses and those are the people that you're always around, you're not challenged. No one's challenging you. If you're constantly around people who are surrounded by lack and never have enough and are barely making ends meet and are living beyond their means and those are the only people you ever spend time with, then you're not surrounding yourself with people who are being more responsible than you, who are challenging you. 
Man, I'll tell you, about four years ago, we're taking our kids to school every morning. And this is what our morning routine looked like. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, go. Find your shoes, find your socks. What, you don't have any socks? I don't care if they match. Get the socks, get the shoes. Why do you only have one shoe on? What in the world is going on? Where's your other shoe? I don't know where it is. Look for it. Oh my gosh, where's your shoe? Get your snowsuit on. Get your coat on. Where's your hat? There's a pink mitten and there's a black one. Put them on. It looks like they kind of match. Let's go, go, go. Get out the door. Go, let's go. We got to get to school. We get out of the driveway. I left my backpack. Oh, you got to be kidding me let's go back and we got to go to get the backpack and then you get the backpack and then when they get to school you hear the bell ring get out of the car go 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 about four years ago that was my routine taking my kids to school i may be a little bit over animated with it but that was for funsies um but uh but yeah there were a lot of days where we were we were just trying to get there and it seemed like it was chaos every morning. And it hit me one day, about four years ago, when I woke up my kids and there was plenty of time to get to school. Everything was ready. They put on their clothes, put on their boots, snowsuit. It's like getting dressed like so many layers. You know, it's crazy. I was new to Wisconsin. We're just like so many layers. It's insane. I'm like, why do they? And then one of them has to pee after they get all this stuff on. And it's just like, it's crazy. And they were ready, and there was ample time, and my kids were still rushing and ran to the car. And I was like, ooh, and that was my fault, because I had trained them to be last minute. I had trained them to fly by the seat of their pants. I had trained them that this was going to be the normal expectation of your morning. I couldn't imagine being a child who has to go and sit and learn, and your morning started off that way, where everything is run, 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 go, go, go. So guess what? I did something magical. There's a little button on my alarm clock that moves the time back a little bit. I moved it back a little bit. And then I began to pick out their clothes before the next day, and they were on the couch ready for them. I created a structure and a system to where when they woke up, then I had to retrain them because I had failed that, in that period of time, and I had not made adequate provision of time to make sure that their day started off wonderful, make sure their day started off really solid. But now I learned, and so I readjusted. I did that because I said I need to be proactive. One of the things that we do with our finances, my wife and I, is that we have a portion of our finances that's beyond our tithe and offering that we give to our church. And this portion of finances that we designate is is in a category in our budget called giveaway. And we find a different, don't come hit me up either, um, this, this portion of finances we give away because we always, we, we believe God wants us to live generously. And so because of that, we're looking for something, or either an organization, an individual, a situation to bless. And every time, God has always shown us the need. And we pray about that together. And we take that money, and that's above our normal tithe and offering that we give at church. And we say, hey, we're going to bless somebody else with it because I want to be intentional. Now, I could say it would be nice to have extra money to give and bless someone. I could say that. Or I could be intentional and figure out what can I do and what is God leading me to do? What is he wanting me to step out on faith and do? Even if it's something that I have to trust him or sacrifice something that I would rather do. Because believe me, there was one month where it was two days before the end of the month and my budget's about to reset and I still haven't given away that money that we had set aside. 
I'm kind of going, hey, God hadn't showed us anybody. Maybe we need to go out on a date or something. Wouldn't that be great? But then I got convicted, and I'm like, no, we set aside that money to give away. God's going to provide. And sure enough, that same day that I had that feeling of, should I hang on to that money or not? And I'm like, no, it's God's. He told us to do this. God showed us a need, and it was so evident. We both were like, yeah, that's where that's going. We know. Two days before, my budget was going to reset, and I was going to have even more money to give away the next month. So I was like, wow, God, thank you so much for showing us that. But it's being intentional. It's being proactive with your time with your talent, with your treasure. It's training. It's being diligent. And then lastly, it's giving of your time, talent, and treasure to others generously. The heart of generosity. Giving of my time, my talent, and treasure to others generously. Because I recognize it's not mine. I'm just a steward. I'm going to work diligently and intentionally to make sure that I'm doing this, and I'm going to do it with the right heart. That's why the Bible says this in Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Isn't that an interesting principle? Isn't that an interesting proverb that God would tell us that if you scatter, you increase? That doesn't seem right. If I actually let things go, I would think that would be me having less. But he says the opposite. He said, no, if they hold on to more than is right... He said, they actually are the ones who are decreasing. The one who scatters is actually the one who increases. He says, the generous soul will be made rich, and if he waters, God's going to take care of him. Amen? If we're generous with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, don't you think that God is going to make provision for you? Don't you trust that he is good enough, that he's going to do that? And if he said that he's going to open up the windows of heaven and bless you, that he's not just talking about just finances. No, he's talking about time, talent, and treasure. He wants you to give, and then you find out the fact that you can't outgive God. Amen? Like three people believe that. Come on. Amen? You can't, you can't outgive God. You can't give away all of your time to where all of a sudden you find, how do I find that I'm actually having ample time to do the things I enjoy? You can't give out, give your time. You can't do that with your talent. You can't give away your skill and, and your abilities to where you don't feel that God's just blessing you tremendously. And then you definitely can't outgive him financially. Lastly, scripture in 2 Corinthians 9 and 5 through 7, I'll say this as I'm closing this morning. Paul said this to the church in Corinth. He said, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go before you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that. It may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. In other words, the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, I'm coming to town. I'm reminding you that you promised to give me a gift when I came. I don't know if it was supplies, finances. I don't know what it, the gift was. The Bible doesn't say, but there was something promised to him from the church in Corinth. He said, I'm reminding you before I come so that way you can have time to get your heart right because I don't want you to just give me your stuff. He said, I'm not interested in your stuff. He said, I want you to give because your heart's right in this. He said, I don't want you to do it as a matter of obligation, but I want you to do it from a position of being generous. So I want to remind you so you can make sure your heart's right. He said, this is what I'm going to tell you here. He who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves what? Cheerful giver. He said, I want you to give of your time, your talent, your treasure, generously, 
because God loves a cheerful, generous giver. So the three things, again, will recognize your time, talent, and treasure are a gift from God for you to steward. Diligently work to be proactive and intentional with your time, talent, and treasure, and give your time, talent, and treasures to others generously. That's how we're going to grow in being responsible for what God has entrusted us with to be stewards over for His kingdom's sake and for His glory, and we need to do it behind the scenes. It's not just something we do when everybody's watching. It's something we do in our everyday lives behind the scenes because God is wanting our heart to be for Him. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.